Hey there, future fans! This week, our potatoes spoil, we have some geriatric gunmen, and we have bad reputations. It's the week of September 28th, 2018, and this is episode 106 of Future Flicks with Billiam. All right, welcome. Welcome to the show. You know, I have learned something just now, something of a very important lesson. I don't like kamikazes. And, you know, I'm, I'm thinking both types of kamikazes. A, the pilots, you know, killing themselves by dri- diving their planes into a boat. And also the drink, because the only type of kamikaze I would attempt would be the drink. And uh, you know what? My, my wife and I just tried it and we have to say uh, no, 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 no. So I want to pass a question off to you then. And this isn't the question of the week. This is just a, a a regular question that you can answer. You can't answer. What popular mixed drink did you never like? Maybe you didn't like the old fashioned because you just don't like whiskey. Maybe you didn't like the adios motherfucker because it's just too much. So what popular mixed drink never sat right with you? Anyway, this is Future Flakes with Billiam. And this show usually doesn't involve alcohol except on my side of things where I get nice and toasty and then I talk to you about movies. You know what? Let's just get the opening spiel out of the way. My name is Billiam. This is Future Flicks with Billiam. And on this show, I do quite a few things. First, I open up with uh, some musings, something like that. Then I go into an intro, which we're doing right now. Then we go into some movie news and some movie trailers, anything that has caught my eye in the past week. Now, please note, I am not perfect. Stories and trailers do slip past me, so if I ever miss something you think I should have talked about, let me know. After that, we go into the limited release movies. These are movies that aren't going to get a wide release, and they're just not interesting enough to me to warrant talking about a lot. In this section, I just give you the movie's name, I tell you what it's about and who's in it, and maybe I'll say a word or two. And then we get into the wide release and interesting Indies section, which I really should come up with some better name for. The Worry, the W-R-I-I, Wide Releases and Interesting Indies. No, I don't know. That, that doesn't work. Anyway, in that section, I go over all the movies coming out during the week that are wide releases or the indie movies or limited release movies that caught my eye. And so in that, I tell you the movie name, I tell you what's about, who's in it, and I give my thoughts on it. And I wrap those thoughts up with a score called the Billiam's Interest Level Score, a.k.a. the Bill Score. Did I force some way to make the score acronym my name? Of course I didn't. Yes, I did. I totally did. And then after that, we end it all with the question of the week, which anyone at any time is welcome to answer. We usually get um, answers from the same few people, usually Frat Matt, Brian Q, one of them, or both of them, if we're lucky, will answer. Sometimes we'll hear from uh, some of my other friends at Someone Nerdy Radio or Watch Your Mouth. You know who we haven't heard from in a while? We haven't heard from in a while is Herc. Hey, buddy. What's up? How you doing? How's those, uh, how's those trains going? Still making sure to make a lot of noise when you go by Dan's house when they're recording? I hope so. I hope so. 
Anyway, how do you find this show? Well, guess what? You've already done a good job. You have already found me somehow in the ether that is the internet. But guess what? There are other ways. You can find me on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play, and any podcast app. And if you ever can't find me on a podcast app, let me know. I will then pass the buck to my boss. I'll go, hey, boss, what's up? This app ain't working. And then either he'll take care of it on his end or tell me to get off my lazy ass and do it myself. One of those two things. We'll see. We'll see which one. And how do you get in contact with me? That's a great question. You can hit me up on Twitter or Instagram at BillyMSWN. I'm trying to get back into those into those two things. It's hard when you don't leave the house a lot because I'm still on disability. I I do not I'm not currently working and I'm currently looking for another job that I can do with my with my shoulder problem and it's hard it's it's getting really hard because I'm picky because after god how many years almost 20 years in customer service I am f***ing over it and it sucks because I'm really good at it I am I'm I'm really good at customer service because I look at it as acting yes random customer I care about your needs no that is not the stupidest f***ing thing I've ever heard I will help you Yes. But anyway, enough enough bitching about, about that. The good thing is I've been spending a lot more time reading and uh, catching up on Will and Grace and Brooklyn Nine-Nine with my wife. So that's been really fun. And you know what? I don't want to go back to work. I'd, ra- I'd rather do this. But you know what? I need money. But until then, I'm going to enjoy living easy. Anyway, you can also email me billiamreviews at gmail.com anytime. You can contact me about anything going, hey, Billiam, here's the answer to all of the questions of the week. Good luck reading all that on the show, and I will. I will read every last f***ing answer on the show. Someone test me. Someone try me. So if you want to, go back to episode 41. That is when the question of the week started. And, you know, answer all of them. I dare you. I will read them all. I don't care if it's a two-hour episode. I will do it. Anyway, you can also leave a comment on the Somewhat Nerdy Facebook page, on the Somewhat Nerdy website, that is somewhatnerdy.com. Any way you want, get in contact with me and I will I will answer. As Brian Q and Frat Matt know, uh, sometimes it may take a couple days, but I will always answer. Well, that is it for the intro, so let us go into the first segment, which as always is the news. This just in from Hollywood... The news. According to Deadline, Kingsman 3 is set for a November 8th, 2019 release. There are two rumors about who has already signed on. One report says that no one has signed on yet, while another, and it's important to note that Deadline didn't cite any of these sources, the other source said that only Taron Egerton has signed on. So my question is not about Galahad being there. But my more most important question is, will Roxy be in this third one? Because I'll be really mad if she's not. Because I am serious. If she is not in the third installment, number two had some really sloppy filmmaking. And there is no excuse for that, especially from someone like Matthew Vaughn. Especially because they took one of the most potentially badass female characters out of the movie. I mean, true, they gave us two new ones. But is, is that some sort of movie equation that I'm not aware of. There can only be so many so many badass women in a movie or the equivalent exchange of badass women, like we have to lose one to get two or something like that. Either way, Roxy better be in it. Because if oh God, if not, it's gonna there's gonna be some hell to pay. 
Next up in the news, Tessa Thompson has been spotted on the set of Avengers 4 alongside Chris Hemsworth. The rap said that it hasn't been confirmed that she is in the movie, but chances are high as she did survive Thanos' attack. We didn't see this, of course, but the Russo brothers confirmed as much. Interesting thing I learned, though, is while looking around on IMDb, Ty Simpkins is going to be in the next Avengers film. Who is that, you may ask? Well, remember the boy inventor in Iron Man 3, the one that helped Tony Stark out and helped him get back into a suit? Well, that's him. The same actor and playing the same character, so we'll see what kind of role Harley Keener, the character, will be playing in this film. And hey everyone, have you seen the new Chucky doll? Entertainment Weekly had the first look of the new version of the killer doll, and some people, the creator of Chucky, Don Mancini being one of them, aren't impressed. io9 reported that Mancini doesn't like the new doll, but was also reported that he declined to be part of the movie. While I too prefer the original Chucky, you can't complain if you had the option to have a say in it. It's just like voting. If you didn't vote, shut the f*** up. You can't complain. You have no right. Unless you're not a voting age, of course, and then you should let your voice be heard. But if you're of voting age and can legally vote and you don't sign up to, you have no right to complain, just like Don Mancini, who could have been part of this movie, who could have had a say in it, has no right. Because if he did sign up and said, yes, I'll be part of this, and they still made the doll look like that, yeah, complain away, dude, you have every right. But other than that, shut the f*** up. The Child's Play reboot is set to star Aubrey Plaza as the mother. That's right, Aubrey Plaza is now old enough to play a mother convincingly in a movie. The same woman who just a couple years ago was playing a gold-digging skank alongside Anna Kendrick, who were trying to hook up with two idiot guys. If you're interested, Zack Snyder reveals who was cut from the Justice League movie. Digital Spy reports that Ryan Choi was cut from the film. He's one of the people who takes up the mantle of Adam. Atom is who Marvel copied Atman from. Because remember folks, both DC and Marvel stole from each other a lot. It wasn't all one-sided. DC stole Aquaman from Marvel. It was originally Submariner. Marvel took the idea of Doctor Strange. It was originally Doctor Fate. Then there's a lot more. Thanos, Darkseid, Mockingbird, Black Canary, Rocket Red, and Iron Man. And at the very least, these weren't blatant ripoffs. They did, I mean, in some way try to change them a bit, you know. But, uh, but let's get away from this aside. So Ryan Choi wasn't actually seen as Atom in the Justice League movie, he was seen as Ryan Choi. So the question is now, will Atom become part of the DCEU, or is he just forever going to be left on the cutting room floor? And in news that's not movie related, but television related, and it's not important, I just thought it was funny, are Bert and Ernie gay? Well, according to a former writer for Sesame Street, they are. Uproxx reported that Martin Saltzman, I'm sorry, Mark Saltzman, who wrote for the show in 1984, said they are. The Sesame Workshop wrote a statement denying that, saying that they're just friends. But my question is, who the f*** cares? I mean, shouldn't we not be asking this? It doesn't matter if you're some Westboro Baptist Church-like asshole. Or you're some super constantly offended liberal. See, I'm, I'm pissing both sides off with this one. So I'm equal, right? No matter what side you're on, it shouldn't matter. Because let's say you're super conservative and the Bible is the word of God and oh, God hates gays. Then just believe they're friends and don't even let this possibility of them being gay creep into the narrative. And if you're on the other side of that, if you're constantly at protests and everything offends you, then isn't it also offensive to ask that? 
Aren't you then hinting that two men cannot be friends in that fashion without being gay? Isn't that equally offensive? So I guess what I'm saying is um, this doesn't matter. And if it matters to you, maybe you should just take a long look at your life. And finally in the news, do you remember that shitty last Airbender movie? Well, Netflix is going to help get that bad taste out of our mouths, hopefully. A live-action Avatar The Last Airbender is in the works, and this is going to be a TV show, not a movie, so then we'll get more character development, hopefully. The show's original creators, Dante DiMartino and Brian Konietzko, I think I'm saying that right, will come back to help this version of the Avatar The Last Airbender. So hopefully it won't be bad. Hopefully this will be great. This was reported by io9. And with that, let's step into everyone's favorite trove, the trailer trove. Avast, and welcome to the trailer trove. All right, everyone, we have the final trailer for Wreck-It Ralph 2 whose official title is Ralph Breaks the Internet, and in this, we get a bit more of the plot. We learn that in Ralph Breaks the Internet, Vanellope's game, Sugar Rush, gets broken after a kid gets too rough with it while playing. Vanellope and Ralph try to get everyone out of the game before it's unplugged, thus saving all of them. But now Vanellope has nothing to do, so she stumbles across the internet and takes Ralph with her. While in the internet, they stumble upon Slaughter Race, an online game. She plays it and has a blast, and apparently she wants to stay and be part of that game, but doesn't know how to tell Ralph. The trailer didn't show us any of Felix or Calhoun, or... King Candy. Well, maybe King Candy, because what what we know, or part of what we know, also is that Jack McBriar and Jane Lynch are going to return to this film, hopefully, being Felix and Calhoun. Alan Tudyk is in the movie, but will he be King Candy? Well, that's not the name of the character he's playing, but it could just be some alias for King Candy to return, or it could just be him playing another character, because Alan Tudyk does a lot of voice acting. Either way, we have the final trailer, and it still looks great. This movie still looks like it's going to be really good, so we'll just have to wait for its release on November 21st, 2018. And this week, the only other trailer to catch my eye was the second trailer for The Girl in the Spider's Web. It still looks good, and I'm glad they're going for the second book in the series and, and not remaking The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo again, because the original film had Numi Rapace as Lithbis Lisbeth, I always trips me up Lisbeth Salander and Michael Nyquist as Mikhail Bloomquist. The remake had Rooney Mara as Lisbeth and Daniel Craig as Mikhail. And this movie has Claire Foy as Lisbeth and Savrir Goodnison as Mikhail. Goodnison is a Swedish actor who most recently played Bjorn Borg in Borg vs. McEnroe. The Girl in the Spider's Web has a November 9th, 2018 release date. And with that, my future friends, my future fans, my future family, let us step into the first break as we hear a word from our friends at Somewhat Nerdy Radio. Stay tuned. Imagine yourself on a journey with the Somewhat Nerdy Radio podcast crew as we travel through forgotten realms and far-off galaxies. Your captains, the sensational Snarf Chris and the cunning Critter, constantly face an element of danger. Welcome to the Somewhat Nerdy Radio podcast. The bright light in the podcast sphere. Download and subscribe Somewhat Nerdy Radio today on iTunes and SoundCloud or stream it at somewhatnerdy.com. Good journey, nerds. And we're back. 
We're back with the limited releases, so let's get into that. There are only three limited releases this week, and um, a lot more wide releases and interesting indies. So this is this is actually quite a difference from previous weeks. Though last week, episode 105, did have more wide releases and interesting indies than limited ones. So maybe, maybe things are getting better in, in Hollywood. Maybe things are getting better in the movie scene, or it's just a coincidence. We'll see. The first movie in the limited release section is called All About Nina. Nina Geld is a stand-up comedian whose career is finally taking off. But as it begins to take off and begins to get better, her personal life starts to take a turn for the worst. This stars Mary Elizabeth Weinstead from Scott Pilgrim vs. the World, Common from Smoke and Aces, Cameron Manheim from The Practice, Clea Duvall from The Faculty, and Beau Bridges from The Descendants. And you know what a shame about this movie is? As it, is it could be good, but the trailer just didn't grab me. This is an interesting idea. It kind of looks like if that movie with Robert De Niro from a few years back, The Comedian, and they just tweaked it slightly. And by slightly, I mean a lot. But it, it feels like at the heart of it, it's a very similar film. We just get a lot of differences in the fact that this is a main female character. And she seems to be in, or at least going to be in, a non-stereotypical relationship. So we'll see where this movie goes, but... I still have to say the trailer didn't do enough for me. Next up, we have a film called Cruise. Set in the 1980s, a young Italian-American from the wrong side of the tracks falls for a Jewish girl from Long Island. This stars Spencer Boldman from Lab Rats and Emily Ratajkowski from Entourage. And that's the Entourage movie, not the TV show. Not that it matters much. So my question with movies like this is where's the line? Because it, I feel like they're trying to do this tongue-in-cheek tribute to 80s movies about, you know, that bad boy trying to fall, who falls for the good girl and the good girl who has a bad side. It's so kind of like a Grease or a Rebel Without a Cause kind of thing. So where's the line between doing an homage to that and just being a tacky, unoriginal movie? I don't know. And that's why this didn't make it past the limited section. And the final limited release this week is a documentary that should sound very familiar, called Free Solo. Han Solo was frozen in carbonite and shipped off to Jabba the... No, I'm sorry, this is a completely different movie. This is a documentary that follows Alex Honnold, or Honnold, as he becomes the first person to ever free climb Yosemite's 3,000-foot-high El Capitan wall. No ropes, no safety gear, no brains. It will be the greatest feat in athletic history. So yes, just two weeks back, we had another movie about the same thing. Uh, but this difference is that this one's a National Geographic documentary and the other one was just some random ass person. Which one will be better? Who knows? If you care about this at all, see them both. Why not? Well, that is it for the limited release section. Let us take a break and hear a word from our friends at Nerds of the Squared Circle. Stay tuned. Nerds of the Squared Circle on SomewhatNerdy.com Nerds of the Squared Circle on SomewhatNerdy.com Nerds of the Squared Circle on SomewhatNerdy.com Hi, I'm Sam Jericho of SomewhatNerdy.com's Nerds of the Squared Circle. Join me, Snarf Chris, and the dude with the headband. We talk about wrestling and more wrestling. Do you like wrestling? Yeah! yeah. Then you should listen to our podcast. Do you not like wrestling? You should still listen to our podcast. Someone to read a comms, Nerds in the Squared Circle. Subscribe to us on iTunes or your favorite podcast app today. Nerds in the Squared Circle on SomewhatNerdy.com.
And we're back with the wide releases and interesting indies. First, we have a movie that almost didn't make it into this section for one very important reason. That movie is called Hellfest. A masked serial killer turns a horror-themed amusement park into his own personal playground, terrorizing a group of friends while the rest of the patrons believe that it's all part of the show. This stars Bex Taylor Klaus from Scream the TV Show, Rain Edwards from MacGyver, the new one, and Amy Forsyth from Rise, which is no longer on the air. All right, let's be honest. This is just another slasher, but I love me some slashers. I love uh, horror. It's a great genre. I don't love horror as much as as much as Anne or Roz does, but I am still a fan. And I mentioned that it almost didn't make it in this section because of one thing, and that's because of the timing of the release. This is coming out late September, should be coming out closer to Halloween, though I know the Halloween reboot is coming out next month, and not a lot of people, not a lot of uh, movies, that is, will want to do do battle with them because it'll be huge. Like, if you have a choice between Hellfest and Halloween, a Halloween that looks like it's going to be the best one in a long while, you're going to choose Halloween. But still, I think even early October would have been a better time. One more week would have been a better time for Hellfest. Okay, that being said, let's get off the date issue. Uh, This looks like a good slasher. If you like slasher horror movies, then this is for you. But again, is this something you need to watch in the theaters? No, I don't think so. If it had come out closer to Halloween, I do believe, yes, yes, you should see this in theaters. However, it coming out at the time it is, though I understand there's probably good reasons for it. No, I have to say pass on this and stream it or buy it for a Halloween movie marathon. It may have to be next year's. It may have to be, but that's fine because this isn't the sort of movie that you need to watch. This isn't this isn't like Halloween. This isn't some reboot of some huge franchise. This isn't the next uh, Conjuring movie. This isn't uh, some huge event. This isn't the next It movie. This isn't This isn't something that you need to see in theaters if you're a fan of the genre. This is 100% skippable in theaters, something you should watch at home, though I do think it'll be enjoyable because it looks like it's just a classic slasher. It doesn't try to do anything fancy. It doesn't try to get new agey on us at all. It, It knows what it is and it does its job. And I think that's really the selling point for this film. Hellfest gets a 7.5 out of 11. Next up this week is a movie called... Monsters and Men. The aftermath of a police killing of a black man told through the eyes of the bystander who filmed the act. An African-American police officer and a high school baseball phenom inspired to take a stand. This stars John David Washington from Ballers, Anthony Ramos from Hamilton, Kelvin Harrison Jr. from It Comes at Night, Jasmine Cephas Jones from Hamilton, Cara Buono from Stranger Things, Cassandra Freeman from Luke Cage, and Rob Morgan from Stranger Things. So we all know that any fandom gets really, really weird. They're your normal, like, they're your normal Doctor Who fans, and then they're your ones who are bordering on freaks, just like they're your, like, normal people who like YouTubers, like, like Anne and myself, we both like our various YouTubers, but then there are people who go all ape shit crazy for for their favorite one that just take it a little too far well i learned that there's the same thing for broadway productions because i noticed in the comments for the trailer for this film people are talking about janthony like ooh, janthony's in this i was like okay who the f- is janthony so i looked it up and what i found was like ooh, jan videos of janthony being cute together on stage and sh- like this and 
So Janthony is one of those like bullshit celebrity couple names like Brangelina. And it's for Anthony Ramos and Jasmine Sefa Jones, who started dating when they were uh, doing Hamilton. Hamilton, of course, one of the most popular Broadway plays of all time, started off Broadway, of course, got huge, went on to Broadway. And now uh, every time I've tried to buy tickets to it, it sells out faster than anything I've ever tried to get tickets for before. But I never, I never knew that. I never knew even in the world of musical theater there were these super fans who did shit like this and that you know that it makes me laugh it really does but back to this movie this actually looks really good and what impresses me most about it is that it's going to tackle or it looks like it's going to tackle the issue from both sides in the narrative of this movie in as far as the story goes it was a bad killing or a bad shooting which, if you don't watch a bunch of police procedurals, you may not know that, at least on TV, I don't know if this happens in real life, but at least in TV and movies, they talk about good shootings and bad shootings. A good shooting is, yes, you you acted right. This was a very dangerous situation. You should have shot this person versus a bad shooting where it's the exact opposite. Like, look, you done f***ed up. So while the shooting may be a bad shooting, it does tackle both sides. The, the view of the black society in this area going, hey, we don't feel safe because we could just get shot by these cops. And then the cops saying, well, why should all of us be judged because of these bad apples? Don't judge all of us. And then also saying, well, this guy was doing all these things. He was approaching an officer who told him to stop and all this stuff and he still got shot. So I like the fact that's not just telling one side. Because if you pay attention to the news, there are there are quite a few of these shootings that are one-sided. Where, yes, this was obviously wrong. This cop obviously did the wrong thing. Or, hey, this this man charged this cop who and he could have had a weapon. Or he was holding, reaching into his pocket while charging the cop. Obviously, he may not deserve to die, but he brought it on himself. So we have those cases that are very one-sided. But you also hear the ones where there's a lot of speculation. Where the truth is like, really hard to figure out but you still get people from both sides and that's why i like this film because this this main character can see both sides he sees that yes this may have been a bad shooting but then we're blaming all cops for this but i want to be a cop and i'm not going to be like that and uh, i know cops and not all of them are like that but this is wrong so what do i do do i show this video that i have of the shooting that will prove one way one way or the other what happened and i think that is a very brave thing to do in a movie with such a delicate topic because let's face it the social media elite of these various circles don't really give a shit about the truth they want to push their agenda so there's this movie that's even hinting that the other side may have a point so it could be easy cannon fodder for them going oh look at this this doesn't believe us this is against us though i don't think there'll be any negative repercussions for this movie just because it's handling it so well at least perceivably handling it so well it could just be a bad or a confusing trailer where maybe it is all one-sided i don't know but again from the looks of the trailer i really like this i think it's a very good idea showing that not all of these police shootings not all of these things are you know for lack of a better term black and white and just think about how hard it must be for cops of color for not just black cops but any other non-white cop or hell white cops who want to do a good job and who knows that could be most of them because thanks to stories like this we paint broad strokes on so many groups of people 
And you can't do that. It's not okay to do that for one group, so it's not okay to do it for the other group either. Guess what? Not all cops are racist murderers. Not all black people in the ghetto are gangbanging criminals. And I hope this movie tackles that. And I hope if it does, if it does tackle it well, I hope it gets recognition for that. And even though I'm so impressed with this movie, it's not going to be the pick of the week just because I think this would be better to be watched at home. I really do. Not only is it going to be a limited release, but this isn't the kind of film that needs it. This isn't the kind of film that needs a big theater release. And there's, you know, there's not a lot this week that needs it, but we'll talk about that when we get there. This, this movie looks really good. And I think everyone should put it on their to be watched list. Monsters and Men gets a nine out of 11. Next up is a documentary. Yes, this is what the third or fourth documentary that has made it in the wide release section in the past couple weeks is a documentary called Bad Reputation. This is a documentary about rock legend Joan Jett. And you want to hopefully we'll get a better representation of Joan Jett's life than we did in The Runaways. Uh, the Runaways, uh, that movie with Kristen Stewart and Dakota Fanning, yeah, Dakota Fanning, focused uh, on one aspect of her life, while this one is like, oh, the entire history of Joan Jett, from The Runaways to Joan Jett and the Blackhearts, and all of her biggest songs. And we all know we have Ronda Rousey to thank for this documentary, because uh, Ronda Rousey doesn't care about her bad reputation. And you'll only get that joke if you if you watch WWE. Anyway, if you're interested in the life of this legend, of this rock and roll, bordering on punk rock legend, check this out. Because if it wasn't for her, we wouldn't have that Weird Al hit, I Love Rocky Road. Because come on, that is a great one. I mean, I love rock and roll, Cherry Bomb, Bad Reputation. Just those are iconic songs. Like, I know we all have our different tastes in music, but if you don't like those songs... You hate music. I am sorry. Anyway, this looks good. And it has interviews with Joan Jett herself. So uh, I hope this is going to be a very honest, honest documentary. Bad Reputation gets an 8.5 out of 11. Next up this week, we have a film that you may have heard of, but just not this version of the film. It's called Little Women. A modern retelling of Louisa May Alcott's classic novel, we follow the lives of four sisters, Meg, Joe, Beth, and Amy, detailing their passage from childhood to womanhood. This stars Leah Thompson from Back to the Future, Melanie Stone from some fantasy series called Mythica, Sarah Davenport from Stitchers, Ian Bowen from Teen Wolf, Lucas Gabriel from High School Musical, Grab Grabiel, Lucas Grabiel, maybe, I don't know, and Bart Johnson from High School Musical. So two people. All right, cool. This is another movie that almost didn't make the cut. Uh, it almost got put in the limited section, but it, it didn't for one very important reason. And that is because this sound, seems like a really good family movie. I mean, there are going to be better versions of Little Women that are already out. There's the one with Susan Sarandon, Kirsten Dunst, Winona Ryder, Claire Danes, uh, Christian Bale. There's one from 1933 that's Catherine Hepburn in it. There's one coming out next year that has a better cast. Saoirse Ronan, Emma Watson, Meryl Streep, Laura Dern. But you know what? All of those things I said may be true. But guess what? This is coming out this week. It doesn't look bad. It doesn't look bad at all. And this seems like a great movie to take your family to. Because the last time we saw a wide release 
or at least a sizable release of Little Women was the one with Renona Ryder back in 1994. So this movie has been, or this book has been turned into a movie and TV a lot. But you know what? It's still a good story. It is still a classic story. And if your family has never experienced this together, this could be a good one. And maybe you watch this one, which is a modern telling, so it takes place in modern times. Hello. And then when next year's comes out and you can watch the classic version as it was written, then you can compare notes going, hey, which one did you like more? Because guess what? Just because next year's has famous and fantastic actresses in it doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be better. But this movie looks cute. It does. It looks sweet. It looks enjoyable. It looks 100% skippable in the theaters, unless you really want to take your family out to a movie, in which case you have two films this week. Two films. The next family film this week will come in a, a little bit later in the show, but that's more for young kids because it's an animated film. So this one is more of a all-around family movie and that is why it made the cut because it looks it looks enjoyable and you know what? i don't think you want to take your kids to see a movie about uh, a shooting in a you know ghetto neighborhood maybe you don't want to take your kids to watch a documentary on joan jet because there's probably going to be a lot of mentions of sex and drugs did you watch the runaways okay in full in full seriousness i did not and just told me all about it. So that's why I'm trying not to talk about it too much since I can't actually say whether I liked it or not. But like I said, this looks like a basically good movie. Doesn't look great, but it doesn't look bad. And it looks like something you should take your family to if you want to go out for a night of dinner in a movie. Little Women gets a 7 out of 11. All right, everyone, we have four movies left this week. That is four movies. And the next movie on the list is another movie that's not family friendly. And that's called Black 47. An Irish ranger returns home after fighting for the British army abroad. He abandons his post to return to his family who are suffering during the Great Famine. He is shocked by the famine's destruction and the brutalization of his people, including his family, by the British. He then turns on the British and begins killing British government officials. This stars James Frenchville from The Drop, Hugo Weaving from Captain America, The First Avenger, Freddie Fox from King Arthur, Legend of the Sword, Barry Keoghan from Dunkirk, and Sarah Green from Burnt. So yes, a movie about the, the potato famine, the Great Famine in Ireland, and I believe this is the first one, because I couldn't find any using my Google Foo. All I found was an article from the Irish Times saying a movie about the Great Famine, and it's only taken 170 years. They're not sarcastic at all. And it, it blows my mind that it, this hasn't been turned into a movie before, just because there is so much to tell about the famine and the treatment of the Irish people from the British. Because when movies take place in modern time, the British are always the good guys. Or, you know, as in the country. Like, a singular British person is usually a bad guy in something. But if you go back in time... If you, go, if you go far enough back in time, the British are always the bad guys. I know, sweeping generalization, not always the bad guys, but a lot of times they're the bad guys because of the terrible things the British Empire did. And that is one way that uh, the Great Britain and Japan are very similar. Like, they have both terrible things in their past, and so nowadays they're like, oh, no, no, we... Let's, let's try to move past it. Okay. You know, that was, those were dark times. We, you know, we weren't in a great place. We were drinking too much now. Uh, but now look at us all sober and, um, and con contributing to society. But seriously, this looks like if someone made John Wick Irish and put him in the, oh, that's a better one. This is like if Braveheart and John Wick had a baby. 
And this looks really good. This looks like a historically accurate and brutal movie. So this guy just goes in and murders all these British because they're not helping out during the Great Famine. And they kill a lot of people too. So this Irish soldier who is fighting for the British is like, nah, uh uh-uh-uh, fuck y'all, starts killing them. I don't see this movie having a happy ending though, seeing as it is a period piece based on a time when not only Britain was the big bad guy, but they were all powerful. I mean, that's why the American War for Independence was such a big deal, is because we shouldn't have won, really. And you know, it probably wouldn't have if it wasn't for the French, but we beat back that big world-conquering force, and... So it can't end well for this dude who turns on the British and starts killing them off. But on top of this being an interesting story and one of the first times we're seeing this talked about in movies, it also has Hugo Weaving, who is a fantastic actor, and Barry Keoghan, I think Keoghan, Keoghan maybe, G-H, Keoghan maybe, because it is a G and an H next to each other, which could silence that, I don't know, whatever. And he's really good. And uh, Sarah Green, Freddie Fox, James Frenchville, not too familiar with them, but from the look of the trailer, they were doing a good job. So this looks like a well-acted movie. looks like an interesting story. And it looks like it's filmed well. It looks, the cinematography looks impressive. And so that is why this movie caught my eye. And once again, this isn't something you need to see in theaters. You know what? Actually, it may be a better visually impressive movie than the other ones I'm going to talk about. But I think that the movie that's my pick of the week is a better overall movie. This looks like something that's interesting that should be put on your Tubi watch list. Something that you should keep an eye out for and watch it as soon as you can. But as soon as you can at home. Black 47 gets an 8.5 out of 11. All right, three movies left, my future friends, and the next movie is another family movie, but one for maybe a younger crowd. And that movie is called Smallfoot. A yeti is convinced that the elusive creatures known as Smallfoot really do exist. While walking around his mountain home, he sees one, but it escapes his grasp. And he goes to tell his village about it, but they don't believe him and cast him out until he either confesses to his lie or brings home proof. So he leaves to find this small foot. This features the voices of Channing Tatum, James Corden, Zendaya, Common, LeBron James, Danny DeVito, and Gina Rodriguez. This is an animated film not done by one of the big ones, but done by Warner Animation, who, you know, has done some big movies, but just not a lot yet. They did the Lego movie, Storks, the Lego Batman movie, the Lego Ninjago movie, Smallfoot. And it was directed and written by the guy who wrote Over the Hedge, Chicken Run, James and the Giant Peach, or at least the script for James and the Giant Peach. He didn't write the book, of course. So as far as coming from reliable sources, it, it kind of does and kind of doesn't just because the the director and the and the production company haven't really done a lot but what they have done have been good or at the very least passable and the the animation kind of looks like is from the same people who did cloudy with a chance of meatballs arguably a great animated movie but doesn't have much to do with this one so this movie does look cute it, it looks okay it looks like a kid would really enjoy it and a parent might not be totally bored with it because it does look like it has really good jokes in it or at least a few and i hope they didn't blow their load with the trailer because how many times with like children's comedies and things like that have you gone to see the movie and all the best bits were in the trailer and the rest of the jokes were, were okay not great but the biggest ones they already told us but i think you know what i'm gonna say i think you know that i'm going to say 
The only reason you should see this in theaters is if you want to take your kids to it because this doesn't look good enough to warrant a watch. If you are a big fan of animated movies, of cartoon movies, then still, I don't think this is something you need to see in theaters. This isn't going to be one of the big ones. It isn't done by Disney, Pixar. Yes, I know they're all owned by the same people, but I, I count Disney and Pixar as two different ones. It's not by, done by DreamWorks uh, or Un Universal, I think, is the other big one. But yes, this looks okay. And it looks like something fully acceptable if you want to take your young children to a movie. And it looks like something, like I said, won't bore you to tears, but it could be better. This film does do something that bugs me, that it tries to sell the music that's going to be in the soundtrack that may may or may not actually play a huge part in the film. Because one of the trailers is like, oh, featuring the new song from, uh, okay, who is this mother Let's see. Oh, it's one of those kids. I guess not a kid anymore. He's 25, but one of those people, one of those guys from One Direction. Okay, Niall Horan. Horan. Hor. Whatever. But in the trailer, a song starts playing and says, Finally Free by Niall Horan, or, or whatever his name is. And when a trailer does that, in my opinion, that's very tacky. And I don't think it bodes well for the movie. I think they know they don't have a good movie on their hands, and they're trying to get kids to see it going, oh, look, this artist I like is doing a song for it. And then maybe there's going to be a um, montage in the movie that just happens to be as long as a song so you can hear the full song. Yay. We don't need plot. So besides that one aside, the trailer does look good. It, uh, the, the jokes did make me laugh, but I don't trust it. And I don't trust it because of the trailer, because it does something tacky like that. I mean, Christ, not even Sing did that. And Sing was full of songs from celebrities. So an animated movie about singing didn't even do that. But you know what movie did do it? F***ing Trolls. And the only people I've ever talked to that actually liked Trolls were parents whose kids wanted to go see that movie and they, and they always start with, oh, it's not that bad. Oh, really? You're just trying to stay sane because your kid makes you watch it over and over again. Anyway, yes, I have troubles with the trailer for Smallfoot. It does have funny parts in it, though I'm worried that they blow their load in the trailer. So I cannot, in good conscience, say, see this movie. So I will say, see this movie if you're a parent and your kids want to see something because it doesn't look bad. If you have older children, maybe middle school to high school, maybe go see Little Women. That looks like a, a better film. But younger kids, Smallfoot could be it. It doesn't look bad. It just doesn't look that great. Smallfoot gets a 6 out of 11. All right, two movies left, everyone. And this was hard for me. Uh, I switched my pick of the week last minute. So the movie that used to be the pick of the week and could still be your pick of the week if, you, if you'd rather see it is called Night School. A group of troublemakers are forced to attend night school in hopes that they'll pass the GED exam to finish high school. This stars Tiffany Haddish from Keanu, Kevin Hart from Central Intelligence, Keith David, that golden-voiced god from Armageddon, Marilyn Rodscub, I think, from 24, and Jacob Batalone from Spider-Man Homecoming. I love Tiffany Haddish. She is hilarious. And yes, she seems to play the same character a lot. And to that, I say the same thing I've said about Melissa McCarthy. If you're not a fan, you can't see the difference. And yes, a lot of Melissa McCarthy's roles have a lot in common, but they also have a lot that makes them unique. It's just her style of acting, which is the common denominator. And that's why I have to say about Tiffany Haddish. Though, to be honest, 
maybe her character in Girls Trip and maybe her character in Nobody's Fool. Yes, that looks the same. Just like if you go on just the trailer, Melissa McCarthy from Identity Thief and Melissa McCarthy from Tammy look very similar. But that's the thing, isn't it? If you don't like them, you won't see the difference. Just like if there's a type of music you don't like, like, oh, you don't like electronica. So all of it just sounds like a bunch of beep boop, beep boop to you and you can't tell the difference. Whereas like someone who likes it goes, oh, obviously this is this part. Obviously this is this. Oh, you can't tell the difference. I kind of went on a tangent there. But anyway, Tiffany Haddish, I love her. She's great. She is funny. And this looks good. I mean, Kevin Hart really came out unscathed from his little controversy, didn't he? But of course, wasn't wasn't that one the one that was 100% made up? Was that it? Because I remember there was one celebrity in recent history that things were coming out about like oh he's a he's a molester he's a terrible person and they're trying to like make it some big thing and it turned out to be 100 fake was was it kevin hart if any of you remember let me know i'm i've googled a lot of shit for this episode and i'm i'm over it so if you can think of it let me know but yeah kevin hart recovered really well from this if it even affected him at all because still louis if you heard recently louis ck did a did a uh just like 10, 20 minutes at a comedy club somewhere in LA or New York, one of those big cities. They're all the same to me. And he came under fire for that. Like the people at the club loved it. They thought he was hilarious and he got a standing ovation, but like the social media came down on it going, oh, club owner, how can you let him there? He, the guy's a monster. And so luckily for Kevin Hart, this didn't really seem to hurt him that much. You know, night school seems like a basic Kevin Hart comedy. And that's not a bad thing. If you like him, you'll like this. I like him. I think he's really good. The Wedding Ringer, Get Hard, Ride Along, Central Intelligence. Uh, all, all of these movies are similar in their own ways, but also quite different. And I think Night School is going to be along the same lines where we will see similar things out of Haddish and Hart. But this is going to be its own movie. My hope for this movie, though, my hope is that Tiffany Haddish and Kevin Hart's characters don't fall for each other because Kevin Hart is, I'm not sure if he's married or dating, but he has someone in his life and then he goes to this night school where Tiffany Haddish is the teacher and she's on his ass to pass the GED. And so I hope that they don't do this love triangle sort of thing and he has to, oh, he's like, oh, there, there's this woman, but there's this other woman I love. Oh, no, no. Who do I choose? I just hope that Hart's character can be around Haddish's character and not have to have some sort of feelings thrown into the mix. But this looks funny. Uh, this looks enjoyable. If you want to see a comedy, this is it. If you want to see something light and breezy, watch this. If you want to watch something a little more serious and something that's going to be a classically better movie, then watch the pick of the week. You have Tiffany Haddish, you have Kevin Hart, and you don't need much more for a comedy. If I'm being greedy, then I would ask for Kate McKinnon. But this movie looks like it's going to be good. Night School gets an 8 out of 11. Well, ladies and gentlemen, it is time for the pick of the week. So let's just go right into the next film, which is called The Old Man and the Gun. This is based on the true story of Forrest Tucker and his audacious escape from San Quentin at the age of 70 to an unprecedented string of heists that confounded the authorities and enchanted the public. This stars Robert Redford from Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid, Sissy Spacek from Carrie, Danny Glover from Lethal Weapon, Casey Affleck from Gone Baby Gone, and Tika Sumpter from Ride Along. So this is it. This is the movie that I've ta I talked about a couple weeks back where I saw the trailer and it looked good, and it's actually Robert Redford's 
final movie. He is retiring. And unlike Henry Dean Stanton, he's not going to do his final movie and then die. Well, what we hope. Robert Redford said he wants to spend more time behind the camera, and he only waited until he was 82 to do this. So, you know, good for him. You can, you, that, that's a great time. Yeah, you're totally going to live a shit ton longer. You and I really should have done dual picks this week. I should have. You know what? I am going to retcon and say Night School is also a pick. Dual picks this week. There we go, folks. Well, The Old Man and the Gun does look good. This looks like it's going to be a better movie, uh, like a better quality movie, while Night School looks like it'll be one that's going to be more enjoyable in a fun sense. So this week we have Night School. It's fun. The Old Man and the Gun, which is going to be technically a better movie. We have fantastic actors and actresses in this, amazing ones. Let's just bring up Robert Redford here. Look at his pedigree, The Natural, Butch Cassidy and Sundance Kid, All the President's Men. He is he is amazing. Uh, the Horse Whisperer, The Last Castle, Spy Game, Out of Africa. I mean, come on. This man is a national treasure. The Great Gatsby, The Sting, The Candidate. He was a great bad guy in Captain America, The Winter Soldier. I mean, Robert Redford is a fantastic actor. And now we see him in what's going to be his final role. Uh, he says, but we'll see. What, but what he claims is going to be his final role, and it looks really good. My only problem with this, and the only reason I debated so much what the pick of the week would be, is just because we know that this isn't going to have a happy ending. It can't. True stories about career criminals rarely end happy. I mean, the only one that didn't have a depressing ending that I know of was Catch Me If You Can. And you know what? He could. He could catch him. And he did. And maybe you can classify Wolf of Wall Street as a career criminal. I, I don't know. But, you know, he that didn't have a terribly unhappy ending. But really, that's it. Movies about career criminals don't end well because they either get thrown in jail for the rest of their lives and then they lose everyone because they spent so much time in jail and people are tired of being family or friends with a criminal or they die. So we have Robert Redford, who is uh, Robert, Robert Redford's character. Forrest Tucker, who escaped San Quentin, like I said in the opening to this part, escaped San Quentin at the age of 70. I mean, they're 20-year-olds, 30-year-olds who wish they could do that, but he did at the age of 70 and then went on robbing banks and shit. Meets a woman, kind of falls for her, but guess what? They're not going to end up happily ever after. So that is why I bounced around with a pick of the week for so long. Uh, because depressing movies are depressing, man. I mean, that sounds obvious, but it's true. So this movie that may have a lot going for it over Night School, over the other movies coming out this week, we still have something that's going to be a downer, the kind of movie that you don't put back in a lot. Because let's be honest, if you want to pick up a movie that has high rewatchability, most of the time you're going to pick up something happy. But don't, don't let that take away from this movie. This looks like a really good movie. It looks like, like it's well acted, well written, well shot. This looks like a great film. It looks like something that's going to be talked about a lot when the Oscars and the Emmys come around. Even though you all know I have a lot of problems with those awards shows, the good films do get nominated. Who wins may be a big money game, but the nominations, you know, you're not going to see some sh film with big deep pockets going to get nominated well okay maybe you will but just not as much you know what i I, th I really stand by my decision to do dual picks of the week just because these are totally different films and depending on how you're feeling if you want to go see a movie this week you can go hmm which one do i feel like something lighthearted and funny or something deep and amazing robert redford is a true treasure and that is why the old man and the gun is my main pick of the week the Old Man and the Gun gets a 9.5 out of 11.
All right, ladies and gentlemen, that is it before we get into the question of the week. So let's hear a word from our friends at the Watch Your Mouth Podcast. Stay tuned. There are several ways to raise money for a good cause. Some do it by running marathons. Some host high-dollar dinners. And some just do it by clever internetting. We here at the Watch Your Mouth Podcast employ a different approach. Wall-to-wall filthy fucking language. Go to a grocery store. I'm like, I know exactly what I need. I get in there. I'm like, yeah, the fuck did I even come here for? With our charity swear jar, every fucked up utterance from our unfettered gobs is a dime in the right direction. The motherfucker's a mouth breather. Gaming, movies, life musings, it's all here. Served on a bed of fucks and garnished with a crown of Shut the fuck up. How the fuck did we get here? Fuck all that. Fuck a jelly bean. So if you want to hear us do good things with bad words, check out the Watch Your Mouth podcast on iTunes. Tunes, SoundCloud, Facebook, or online at WIMpodcast.com. And remember, swearing is caring, so watch your mouth. All right, everyone, welcome back to the show. Uh, after reviewing the answers to this week's question, I realize I've done a version of this before because I recognize Brian Q's answer. So before we get into that, let's remind you what the question was. And last week, I posed the question, what topic do you wish a movie would shed light on? This was brought up because of the movie Napoli Ever After and hair being a big deal for black women. So I kind of did a question like this before, and Brian Q's answer reminded me of that because he says Pol Pot and the Khmer Rouge. And that was the name of the Communist Party in Cambodia and how they ruled, thank you, Wikipedia, from 1975 to 1979. And if they made a movie about it, here's a little bit of what you'd see. The Khmer Rouge regime was highly autocratic, xenophobic, paranoid, and repressive. The genocide was in part the result of the regime's social engineering policies. Yay. So basically, good times had by all, right? No, no, that sounds sounds horrifying. So Brian Q, thank you for your answer. I'm sorry that it's kind of a repeat. Uh, Though let's uh, turn to answers from our home or my home and Anne's answer. She says body dysmorphia. She also says that every time a movie or TV show handles it, it always ends up turning into anorexia or bulimia or something like that. And most of the every time uh, she said the girl ends up being really skinny. So she, she would like a movie that talks about living with it. So people who don't go turn to anorexia or bulimia, but people who live their everyday lives with this with this problem Uh, so it's time for my answer and when i originally thought of this question i was thinking more small term but i got her a lot of really good answers and by a lot i mean two but i did really like those answers brian q and pol pot and and body dysmorphia and so it's gonna make mine seem a lot more shallow because my original answer and i even recorded a bit of this was about the wide unfair treatment of Asians and how usually when there's a big uh, there's a big movement like oh be more inclusive it's usually people of of color of like black or Mexican or just some someone from Latin America or some other non-white country and Asians usually don't get included in this but then that's something I talk about on the show a lot And also, it was a little bigger than I had originally thought of for the question. So my my answer is going to seem, like I said, a lot more shallow. And I kind of want a version of waiting, but for retail workers. So if you don't remember, waiting was a movie from 2000. Okay, let me look this up from 2005. 
and it starred Ryan Reynolds, Anna Faris, Justin Long, Luis Guzman, John Francis Daly. And it was a comedic look inside the life of a restaurant worker, of not just the waiters, but the hosts and hostesses and the cooks. And what do people do in restaurants that that the staff finds really annoying. And I like that. I thought it was funny. So I'd like to see the same sort of thing, but for retail workers. Because if you've ever seen it, there's that, not really a meme, but there's an internet thing of that certain haircut. If if a woman has a certain haircut, people say like, oh, she probably wants to talk to your manager. You know, have you ever seen that online? It's It's that kind of thing. But there is a type of person in retail that is just always a problem. So basically, I'd want to see a version of waiting but for retail, I think it would be great. I think it'd be very therapeutic for me. And I would buy copies of it when it came out, multiple copies and hand it out to people, hand it out to customers. I remember that I hate to go here. Listen, you terrible piece of human garbage. Watch this. Die slow. Oh, the item didn't ring up. Must be free. <laughs> die in a fire. Yeah, please. Or what happened to me a lot when I, when I still worked at newly full-time was someone coming up to me and going, oh, I'm sorry, where is this? Like, where is this product? And sometimes, like about half the time, it was an honest question. Like, oh, you know, we actually don't have that marked on the things. Let me walk you to this. But some of the times it's, oh, where, where's your ice cream? Oh, do you see the big f***ing freezers over there, you dumb piece of shit? Why don't you walk over there? Like, no, good question. So go back to the deli where we keep the rotisserie chickens. That's where the ice cream is. Oh. You caught us. We don't keep it where where we keep usual frozen foods. Oh, you you smart son of a bitch. No, I would love that. I think that movie would be amazing. Can you tell retail has made me bitter? That's why I truly believe. You hear you hear this a lot. I hear it a lot, and I 100% believe it. Everyone should have to work in retail, and I think it would make the world a better place. So my answer, a little more shallow, but there we go. So it's time for the next question of the week that we will be answering on episode 107, and here it is. This week, we had Night School with two very modern comedic actors in it. We also have The Old Man and the Gun with a classic old-time actor in it. So for this question, we're focusing on comedies. Which older comedian would you like to see pair up with a modern comedian? Not It could be comedians in stand-up, maybe, but I'm more thinking comedic actors. Kind of an example of this could be St. Vincent, even though it's not a full-on comedy. We had Melissa McCarthy and Bill Murray. We could also think of the movie coming out with Tiffany Haddish that I mentioned. Nobody's Fool, because Whoopi Goldberg has a part in that movie. So we there's a fantastic scene between Whoopi Goldberg and Tiffany Haddish where she's like coming up to the window going, oh, hi, mom. And she's like pretending that they're like acting like they're on the phone going, oh, I can't hear you. You must have a bad connection. It, it doesn't translate well. Watch a trailer. Another sort of example would be Tammy. We had Melissa McCarthy and Susan Sarandon. Susan Sarandon, not a comedic actor, but a classic actor. So let me reiterate the question. Which older comedic actor, which newer or younger comedic actor would you like to see paired together in a movie? Let's try and keep the older actor 80s or before. If you can think of one 90s or early 2000s that doesn't do comedy a lot anymore, then or at all, then I will fully accept that answer. And bonus points if you can tell me what the plot of the movie is. So give me the old comedic actor or older and give me the newer comedic actor. So that is it for episode 106 of Future Flicks with Billiam. So let's get on with the housekeeping. You can find me on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, 
Google Play, and any podcast app, as well as the Somewhat Nerdy website, that is somewhatnerdy.com. I'd really appreciate it if you take a few minutes out of your day to give the podcast a rating. I would love five stars. All the stars, please. And then share the podcast. Tell your friends. That is how we grow. And then leave a comment. Tell me what you think I'm doing right. Tell me what you think I need to improve on. How do you reach me? That too is a great question. Leave a comment for me on the Somewhat Nerdy website or Facebook page. Leave a comment on SoundCloud. Hit me up on Twitter and Instagram at BilliamSWN. Email me at BilliamReviews at gmail.com. Be sure to check out the Somewhat Nerdy Radio and Nerds of the Squared Circle podcasts also on the Somewhat Nerdy Podcast Network. And don't forget to check out the bromance buddies of this show, the Watch Your Mouth Podcast. Also, check the Somewhat Nerdy site for all of our latest blogs and news. And finally, my dear friends, my dear, dear listeners, my future fans, please remember that no matter where life takes you, no matter what your week has in store, just take some time to catch a flick. I'm Billion from Somewhat Nerdy signing off. I'll see you in the future.